Hello and welcome. My name is Tanai and I help women become confident with themselves and their sexuality and shed the pressure to be the good girl. For the past 10 years, I've worked with all kinds of sex and relationship experts to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, only to find out that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is my opportunity to debunk commitment phobia, so drop all of your preconceived notions and tune in to hear what I've learned along my journey about what it takes for people to create authentic and intimate connections. This is Commitment Phobe. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I have the pleasure of having Kara Barusini, one of my closest friends and teachers, to talk to today. I'm so excited. Really, Kara has been such a big part of my journey and my growth. She's such a fierce goddess, so freaking courageous and powerful. And I know that you will all feel that today in our conversation. And just to give you a little bit about who Kara has been for me, not only has she always reminded me, she's always reminded me of my power and what I'm capable of, but also I've taken um, some of her yoga classes that have taught me the meaning of equanimity. I had no idea what this word even meant, but it was in her classes that I held poses beyond what I thought I was capable of, beyond my limits. And it really taught me just on a larger scale in life, how much I ran away from pain and discomfort. And that, that is, that has all to do with, you know, my old tendencies of running away from relationships, running away from conflict, and therefore thinking that I just couldn't commit. A big part of it was just not being able to hold these sensations and thinking that discomfort and pain was something that I shouldn't feel. And just in her yoga classes, I learned um, that I was capable of doing that, which is perfect because we're going to be talking a little bit about that today, about how pain can be a great motivator and teacher, about her embodiment work and how she works with clients around embodiment. Um, she's also been doing Layla Martin's course. If you're familiar with her, she'll tell you more about her and how the tantric philosophy has changed her life. and. In between there, we're also going to be talking about her self-love journey and dating herself. So welcome, Kara. <laughs> Just hearing you say all that made this so real. And I'm like, so excited to be on here with you. Like, really, one of my best friends. This is so fun. So um, as you were talking, I kind of just felt like we should start this with the definition of equanimity. Because... Um, you know, we throw that word around once we learn what it is, but I found like majority of the world doesn't even know. So I'm a dictionary, so I'm just going to say the dictionary definition right now. So equanimity is a mental calmness, composure, and evenness of temper, especially in a difficult situation. So um, basically... Any difficult situation you can think of that arises, like whether like a bear is charging at you or like you have a test that you have to take, um, it's like standing your ground and um, staying. It's like staying and staying and staying, not like staying perfect, not staying cool, but 
but staying long enough to let a situation teach you, which um, I wouldn't recommend doing if the bear was charging at you. Like there's other things that are yeah, <laughs> the maybe fight or flight. Bath. Maybe try Wim Hof breathing <laughs> and, and get into an ice bath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Equanimity in an ice bath. Great. Um, not recommended if a, if a bear is charging you. <laughs> so the fight or flight obviously has a, um, has its role and is super important. Uh, but as humans, you know, we'll always, we'll always fall back into that default mode of fight or flight unless we train ourselves to have some kind of level of equanimity and fight or flight is useful. Definitely. It, it kept us alive for very long and still does in some cases, but you know, like taking a test or like doing an ice bath or, um, doing like prolonged breath work or like holding your yoga pose, like you say, it's, it's not going to kill us. So if we learn to stay, we stay, we can learn to stay long enough to let things teach us in relationships. It's like, you know, sometimes there's like, so this mentality of, um, of being, you know, just like onto the next one, like swipe, swipe left onto the next one all the time. But like, are we really, staying and letting ourselves root long enough to let a relationship teach us. So that's the definition of equanimity. Wow. That's so beautiful. And it's interesting because it's so interesting you mentioned that because what I wanted to, to point out is that we've always, the two of us have always been on, on the opposite ends of a spectrum. Whereas like for me, it's been very easy to kind of leave things, leave relationships, leave mm. conversations, leave things that aren't serving me. I'm also a manifesting generator. So it's like in my nature to start mm-hmm. things and not finish them. <laughs> and and you've sort of been on the opposite end, you know, where where maybe you, you have an easier time staying, but a harder time letting go. Do you feel like your whole life, was it easy for you to to be the one to hold the yoga pose and to be the one to to, you know, to hold the pain and hold the discomfort in that way? Mm, what a great question. I have to really look back and reflect right now. Actually, no. I, uh, I definitely in my younger years, um, I recall myself being super reactive to things, just like explosively blowing up very easily or kind of just being like up and out very quickly. It really was. Uh, when I was 18, I found the style of yoga that you have practiced with me. And you know, it's it's really unique. And there is a huge uh, lesson in that around equanimity. And that style of yoga, it definitely started to teach me. I remember when I first started, I was like in and out of the postures a lot. And then um, I found some of my greatest breakthroughs for sure when I was holding them until I really couldn't anymore. Um, it's like, you know, now my philosophy is like live the experience through, like live the relationship through to the end, live the ice bath all the way through, whatever it is that you're going through or experiencing, live it through. There's a something they do on the Indian New Year. They tie a, a red thread around everybody's wrist. And you're not supposed to take the red thread off. You're not supposed to cut it. You're not supposed to break it. You're supposed to, it's eventually supposed to just fade off. And when it fades off, um, that means it's meant to come off. So I kind of 
trying my best. It was not perfect <laughs> to uh, go through my life really feeling things through until they naturally fall away. So that's that's now. It wasn't always like that. It's definitely been a practice to get there. Wow. Thank you. I've honestly always wondered myself, um, always sort of pictured you when you were starting your yoga practice and whether you were always the one to kind of be like, I'm going to, I'm going to play this one through. I'm not going to give up. (laughs) No, not in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that. so maybe, (laughs) but you know what, when I, when I find something I'm passionate about, I, I do not give up on that thing. So, um, it's, yeah, I, when I first found yoga, I was, I was like in and I never stopped. And I had the little lessons inside. And so, you know, the red thread's still on with the yoga, but, um, inside the yoga, you know, like holding the poses for so long at first, that was really, really uncomfortable to me. I was running away a lot from that. So. Wow. It's, it's so beautiful how something like yoga can teach you these things beyond life, which is what I've loved the most about your classes, that it's not just what happens in the class. Um, and what happens in the class happens outside your life. And so just to give you guys all a context, I'm not sure if it was the first or second class, but I, I only have taken her classes. Well, actually I've taken some in person, but mostly virtual. And so in the first or second class, I just left the class and Kara messaged me right away and was like, where'd you go? <laughs> and I came back and I definitely, and, and I, and I saw how there was an expectation that I put on myself to do the class a certain way. And what you taught me is to just live it through however that looks. Oh yeah. And I think, I think that, you know, when it comes to something like commitment phobia, a lot of it is like the expectations that we put on ourselves on how we need to show up in a relationship. Absolutely. And the unwillingness that, yeah, the unwillingness to be in a relationship, like laying down in the yoga mat or doing things different because we don't want to show that to someone else. Exactly. Yeah. So I believe, and I know you believe this too, everything is a metaphor for life. So it's like how you do this class is how you're going to do life. So it, it yeah, definitely will re- reflect those things back to you. And yeah, now that I'm reflecting back on your journey, I remember you, you leaving and coming back and, um, he, I saw tears in those classes. I saw rage in those classes. Um, I watched you go through the whole spectrum of all of it. And that's like, that's the magic tonight. Like, Going into the class and just allowing yourself to be all of it, to be everything that there is. And I guess this is where the tantric philosophy comes in that has changed my life so much over the past, what is it, like 10 months or so that I've been in Layla's course learning about the tantric philosophy is that, you know, I feel like the old spirituality that I was trying to meet was very like up and out of my body. Like obviously experience, like I can't have rage. I can't have fear, but really um, what the tantric philosophy says, it's like, it's about going down and in to your body and having this bodily experience where 
we do experience everything, like the full spectrum of all of it. And that really came up for you in the classes. Like I, I've saw, I've seen everything on the spectrum from like pure joy and like inner child joy to rage, running away, <laughs> tears, not feeling good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, that's, that's exactly the, the, the kinds of things that I've been learning from you. And I know that, that on your journey too, you, you like, like you said, you've been realizing that it's more about letting all these emotions be there as opposed to overcoming them or as opposed to being happy all the time. So can you take a, can you talk a little bit more about that, about the importance of embodiment and what does that even mean in a relationship? Yeah. Okay. So embodiment is a, um, it's something I'm really into teaching and just doing myself a lot lately. Um, okay. So first of all, backstory, I've, I've all, I've started my self-development journey through movement and through moving my body. And um, nobody was ever telling me the, the philosophies and like teaching me on paper what it looked like. So I was discovering all of this stuff myself through yoga, through like Vipassana meditation. So it was what I was experiencing was I was experiencing a form of healing since I was 18 years old. That um, is a little bit less common in the world. And that's like healing from the bottom up. So when I say bottom up, I mean like the deepest part of the brain, which is like the primal brain. And um, from there, working it up because the the primal brain doesn't speak in words; it speaks in symbols and sensations. So, when we're doing a yoga class, or we're doing an embodiment practice, or we're um, focusing on the sensations that we have in our body and like where our emotions are in our body, we're we're practicing um, a style, a t- type of healing that's bottom up. Most of the world knows a little bit more about healing that's top down which is like from the cortex down the cortex is like the thinking intellectual part of the brain and um a lot of therapists work with that they work about like talk they work with speaking and talking and like putting it into words so i guess the um the magic of embodiment is we don't really have to know what's bothering us or like where it came from we just as if we feel it, we can transform it. So it's just focusing on your body and focusing on the sensations and the emotions inside the body as they are. So anytime you're triggered by something, two things happen on the physical level. Your breath changes and there's some kind of body sensation. So those two things happen and um, because those two things happen, they become keys to like some of our, the deepest parts of our inner world. And what's happened because we've been socialized not to have tantrums from a very young age is that when something triggers us, when it enrages us, when it makes us sad, when it does whatever, we have been taught to compress our bodies and to compress our body's natural way of um, healing those things. So, for example, Eckhart Tolle uses this in his book, um, A New Earth. When ducks get into a fight on the water, the first thing that they do when they swim away, because it's a stressful situation, right? 
the first thing they do when they swim away is they'll like flap their wings and almost like stand up out of the water. And what they're doing is they're pressing energy out of their body. So all the energy that it created to be in that fight, they get it out, they shake, right? And we've been taught, you know, we've heard messaging since we were little, like, oh, like, don't, don't roll around on the floor crying like that. Like, get up, come on, like, act like a, act like a person. Like, so all of our, um, all of our natural bodily reactions, everything from crying, even like, what is the first thing that people say? when they start crying they're like they say oh like i'm so oh it's okay so yeah so that's what that's what you hear a lot yeah like the own person comfort with the crying yeah, you know what not it has nothing to do with the person crying this yeah. morning i was sitting at the park writing down these points that i wanted to talk about for this podcast and this little boy was biking ahead of his dad he's probably three years old and he falls off the bike and the dad goes the dad goes don't cry my son (laughs) he's like you're okay you're okay stand up walk it off my boy like he's he's like telling the kid don't cry don't feel your feelings and this is you know in the moment it it seems like an okay thing to do if you're not like looking at the deeper messages that you're giving children is like don't feel your feelings so I like anyone else received so much of that messaging growing up can press my body and then you kind of feel like you're walking around all the time like there's like a dormant volcano inside of you right yes. <laughs> you're always holding back and then yeah. it's like there's <laughs> at any point it could just explode (laughs) like anything comes along and triggers it it can explode so a trigger comes along and um, it triggers these things inside of us the first thing that happens is if you really notice your breath changes and you have some kind of sensation in the body so this is our access point and um, this is what we can work with in embodiment and um, give ourselves the loving permission to actually feel those things. So we've been taught when our parents told us, don't have the tantrum, don't be like that. We were taught to almost like judge and criticize the parts of ourselves that um, hold the rage or hold the sadness or hold the whatever. And by doing so, we're at war with ourselves. So it's like constant inside there's this war that's happening all the time what embody the magic of embodiment is that instead of being at, at war with those things inside of you you actually become them if you allow yourself to fully embody and become those sensations even if they freaking hurt you can't be at war anymore with those things so what embodiment does is it gives us like the highest level of compassion, acceptance, love for ourselves that there is possible because we're, um, we're more than just being like, okay, like it's, it's okay that you're here. You're like becoming it. You're giving it so much permission that it can just become you. And then what I found in the past year, since October last year, I had a big realization 
the bo- our bodies can actually move without our mind's control. And we, because we've compressed our bodies for so long, we have forgotten this. And um, over time, as I was practicing embodiment, and um, as you know, and we should definitely go into this past year has been a time of all of my deepest, deepest pain surfacing. Um, after I got out of my last relationship, it was like, you know, that was the trigger for me for all my deepest pain to come up. And um, I think this happens to me a lot with romantic relationships. It's like after the romantic relationship ends, all the pain comes up. This is the first time in my life that I ever felt like I had the tools and the strength to actually go through it and feel it and really get to the bottom of it. So um, it could have been anything, but um, I chose to put so much meaning on that last relationship. And that ended up being a really big gift because it triggered so much of me. It triggered all my deepest wounding. And that came to the surface for me to be felt. And then I was handed the gift of embodiment. And let me tell you, like when you allow, it could be any trigger that surfaces your deepest wounding. But when you allow your deepest pain to come up and you embody it and you let yourself become it, I think I went to levels (laughs) that I didn't even know humanly possible. You know, it's interesting. Like, I think the old me would have, and I think a lot of people are afraid of what that would look like, right? Like, it's almost like we think that our bodies can't contain our emotions. Like, it's too much for our bodies. Like, that's what, that's what I think. I'll, every time that I've gone deeper and I've let myself feel the pain, it's like, oh my God, will I be able to handle mm-hmm. this? Yeah. And it's like, it's like being afraid that my own like literal, literal physical body won't be able to really contain that. Because like you said, we we put so much emphasis on control and containment and keeping it together. And hearing you hearing, like hearing everything you just spoke about in my case and, and in a lot of, and in the case of a lot of people who, who did have, or do have tendencies to avoid a relationship and run away. I wouldn't let myself to get to the point of explosion. I wouldn't let all the, all the festering get to the point of explosion. Instead, I would, I would just run away. Mm. so had I in those moments allowed myself to just embody and fully become anything that was coming up you know so like if I was getting triggered by someone if I had judgments um if I felt abandoned all all I cared about in that moment was like hide it keep it together this is all you don't show it so instead of of waiting for that moment for it to explode it wouldn't even get there it was just like shove it shove it shove it and then the explosion would be like the, the expo- it would be an inner explosion of anxiety and I wouldn't be able to hold the anxiety more. So then I would say, okay, I can't be with this person because I can't hold this anxiety mm. in, and there's no way I'm letting it out. Wow. Yeah. That's painful. And I think a very common experience oh. for a lot of people. Um, we've also been conditioned that like that end of the spectrum of things inside of us is we've been conditioned that it's, definitely not beautiful yeah especially as women we we have to look a certain way even in our pain even even in movies like women are crying and it looks pretty you oh know? gosh wow <laughs> you're so right <laughs> 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 I'm good. I'm good for all of us <laughs> but 
yeah. you know, I've, I've really reconditioned inside of myself. I don't think it's ugly anymore. I think it's a beautiful expression. I think it's so woman to feel like that. Like I've literally got to the point where I like face down in the earth, like grabbing the leaves, crying into the earth, grieving. And I feel it's beautiful. Like when I started to go through my embodiment journey, I would wake up in the middle of the night moving in ways that I couldn't explain. And I think from an outside perspective, it probably would have looked really scary. I think, um, you know, we've been taught, you know, moving in certain ways is like demonic even, is weird, is um, awkward. And the truth is, it felt so good to move like that. And there was a point when I was really into all of this where I just let myself go. Like I just, I was in so much pain that I just, I didn't care what anyone else was thinking anymore. I just let myself experience. And it's interesting you mentioned that because I was going to, my next question was going to say, how did you work through any thoughts of what will people think? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is a great question because um, we do like reality is we still live in this human world. People don't know about this. You're not going to go to work. And I don't want people to think if they have a nine to five job and they have to go into the office, they're trapped and they can't hold this experience for themselves because you can. So experiencing your emotions and like being with the sensations of your body when you're in an uncomfortable situation, it's just like going to the bathroom. So like if you have to pee, you don't just like pee in your cubicle. <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, I have to pee and you're having to do it now. No, you, you can hold it, right? And you wait until the appropriate time to go to the appropriate place to handle that thing. It's the same thing with your emotions and sensations is that we just have to start to have this relationship with it. Like, okay, now's not the time to let this out. And I'm going to create the space for it at some point. So this is the importance of creating ritual space. So what that could look like in the workplace is you feel something coming up, come up. There's a trigger. You know that you need to honor it. Now is not the time you're in the middle of a meeting. Okay, like go through that meeting, breathe, be there, but set the intention with yourself that I will deal with this thing. So what you're actually feeling when you're feeling sensations or emotions happening in the body is you're feeling your body mind which is um, basically the nervous system is sending signals to you all the time and the thing is we don't look at we don't look at that as if it's a conscious thing but here's another part of tantric philosophy is that everything has consciousness everything so you can almost look at that sensation or like that rage that's coming up as like another person inside of you and treat it like that so you can, you're in the meeting and you can just put your hand on your heart, like this place where I'm feeling so much tightness right now and just tell yourself internally, okay, I feel you, I see you and I'm going to talk to you and we can feel this through in one hour when I can um, go to a space that's safe for me to do that. So it's not like we're not going to start like shaking in the office or like shaking out in public and like drawing a bunch of attention. You don't have to do that. And the world's not ready for that. 
I don't, I don't recommend that. Maybe one day it will be, but the world's not ready to hold space for that. So you actually can create um, a lot more resistance to this type of healing by doing something like that. Cause I know sometimes people like to be like really radical and like scare the world into their healing and it doesn't work. So um, it's like, wait till you can go to the bathroom. And there's like three levels that you can embody. The first is if you're, if you're not in an appropriate place to like shake it out or something, you know, just like put your hands on your heart and close your eyes and meditate with it and just feel it there. And the movement could be a gentle sway. It could just be like flicking your fingertips. It could just be like rolling your neck or something. Like that's the first level. And the next level is you kind of like move your body with some control. It could just be like shaking out your hands. It could be some kind of dancing. And then the third level is like, absolutely, you're just like, absolutely lose it. <laughs> like, could be like punching pillows or just really going for it. And actually, um, my teacher, Layla, cause she teaches a lot of embodiment too. She says like, you don't even need to go to that layer where you completely lost your mind. Like stay with the mind, stay with all of it. And like, let there be some level of control and holding yourself, like holding space for yourself in the experience so that you can actually like be there because we want an experience of going down and into the body. It's, this is an experience of the body where you, when you start like, a lot of yeah, when you start really going for it, sometimes that feels good and it gives you like a quick release, but that's not something that's really sustainable over time. So like taking that step back and like being with yourself and holding yourself like it's like you being your own parent when you're having a tantrum. It's like how would you want that parent to be there with you? Right. Yeah, and you know, I think it's something that's so applicable when when you're in a partnership and you fight with your partner. And I think people don't be like most people in the world aren't aware of this that when you get triggered something comes up in your body. And that sensation, all it needs is release. And it may not necessarily be a conversation with your partner. Like to your point, you could just even like scream and you don't really, it's like, like you said, it's not something you can necessarily explain or understand, but it is just energy that needs to be released. And that's it. There's nothing that needs to be done about it. Nothing that needs to be understood. It's just energy that you can literally release with movement or, or voice. Right. Yeah. I'm experiencing this a lot with my family lately. And it's like, they trigger me and I want to just like, I'm like, my inner child just like wants to say some shit. (laughs) And what I've been doing lately is like taking that step back, going to my ritual space, working it out there, doing the embodiment, doing the breath work, like just giving myself what I need, working out that energy internally and what I found is that all the things that I felt like I needed to say to them I didn't actually need to say to them and it would have caused serious damage had I said it but sometimes you can go and work it out internally and um, that doesn't mean you don't have boundaries because once you do the internal work you can usually then speak to the person that you're in a relationship with in a uh, more like non-vi- non-violent communication type of way, because what you'll find cer- 
surfaces from like being with yourself in that way and embodying is that you start to actually realize what you're really feeling. It goes down to the bottom. Um, like this is the deepest part of the mind that you're working with. This is the, the primal part of your brain. And it always just comes down to feeling. You know, we are so quick to say like, oh, I, you did this. And so I feel this way. It's actually like, I feel this usually because of something that happened deep in childhood. <laughs> and so I I can't off the top of my head totally remember the ways of nonviolent communication, but. Um, yeah, nonviolent communication is like you just, you express the observation. So it's like, you know, so I'll tell you like with a specific client, I have a client of mine who, whose husband is very different from her. And she's a little more like open and flexible and type B and he's very type A. And so when he says a type A comment, she gets really triggered. So it's like just naming the observation. Like when you make a comment, when when you made that comment and then you name the feeling, you go, when you name that comment, I felt this way. Um, and then you give an explanation, like, because I value this or, you know, mm-hmm. and then you just make a request. Like, would you be willing to do this differently? Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> this is revolutionary. What I love about what you're saying is that we, in our self-development culture, has all, have also gone to the extreme of let's talk about everything and let's bring everything up. And that can be really heavy. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's, I think there's a point of like over-talking. So what I love about what you're saying is that sometimes all that you might need is an energy release. You might not need to address everything that comes up. Yeah, we love, especially in our friend group, we know this. <laughs> <laughs> and I can only hang for so long with this. It's like we love yeah. to intellectualize everything. We love to know exactly where our pain came from. We like to know exactly. We're like trying to figure out that moment. Like, why am I like this? And right, because then that's coming from a perspective of problem solving, right? As opposed to just seeing things as energy that needs to be moved or needs that need to be met. And that's it. No need to, no no need to solve a problem. Right. Right. So, uh, two of our other good friends, Gabby and Bonnie and I, um, but we're like the only ones left in Miami. So we hang out every day, pretty much. (laughs) We started something new and you're going to be proud of us. Maybe is we, so, you know, we tend to like to go into the intellectualizing and the, uh, figuring out our trauma it's like yeah I can see Bonnie being that way also she's like that yeah <laughs> we're all like that so we we've been calling it trauma bonding it's not like totally the definition of trauma bonding but you know we bond over our trauma we're like oh this is like the trauma that's coming up for me today like let's talk about it let's figure it out let's analyze it and we finally were just like you know what no we're not going to do it anymore we're not going to do that we're going to talk about what are we celebrating um, so our, it changes our energy from talking about the traumas and trying to figure them out. That almost was like we were getting stuck there. And now we're talking more about the celebrations. And I had this download the other day that, um, there's another way too. So, you know, talking so much all the time, intellectualizing the traumas, the pain, like where all of that came from. 
it's great at first to like learn how to have some kind of level of compassion for yourself. You can say like, okay, yeah, I am this way now because this happened to me in childhood. And um, that's good at first with compassion. But if you stay there, it starts to become like a victim story and an excuse for why you're that way. So it's like, yeah, the next part is that we sometimes tend to miss is like the manifestation. And okay, so I am this way. And but how do I desire to be instead? Mm-hmm. So we're over here. Yeah, like the action you take from from a different place. Yeah, yeah. So like, how how would I like to be? And how can I start to rewire myself to to start to choose that? And it doesn't. Um, it definitely does not happen like the first time. The rewiring happens very slow. It's like it's like going to the gym. Like at first, it's really heavy and over time, if you just like, you're like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Over time, if you keep choosing that way again and again and again, even when it's heavy, this comes back to equanimity is eventually you actually start to create new neural networks to naturally begin to choose those things. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, and it really, it, it, it very much reminds me of of something that you brought up when we were talking about, you know, this podcast, which is that you've now realized how you teach from your deepest wounds and how your clients came, that your first client came out of a breakup and, and you sort of realized that you love what happens to a woman when she's going through a breakup. So can you talk a little bit about the beauty of going through something like that? Oh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, this is, so I guess like the story of my past year is, you know, when you get out of a relationship, it's like you start a new life. It's like everything has to change, it seems like. And every time I get out of a relationship, I go through this huge leveling up. And it is a time when us women, especially, are so vulnerable and so malleable. So it's a huge time and opportunity for big growth. So I remember in the beginning, just being in so much pain. And this is what I say, my my pain was worth $13,000 at the time. And some people are like, you know, $13,000 is not much. And then other people are like, holy crap, that's a lot. But for me, that was holy crap, that's a lot. Was that the cost of Layla's program? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Layla, Layla Martin's program, Vita, which I'm in, which is a sex, love, and relationship course. It, it was $13,000. And I, my pain was a match to that. <laughs> I was like, okay, $13,000. I don't have it. And I'm in so much pain. I know I must be in this program. So I did it anyway. You know, there was a part of me that was terrified. That was like, oh my God, you're not going to eat. And then the other part of me was like, okay, we have to do this. So I listened to that part. It was like my intuition. Um, my intuition also told me over a year ago to start writing a yoga teacher training manual. I didn't know why. I did not have a yoga school. I 
didn't think I would ever use it, but I was like, you know what, if I do it and I finish it, at least like I did this cool thing and maybe someone else will use it for their school and I might make a little bit of money that way. But um, it was really just like, okay, like I have all this, these resources, let's just do this and see what happens. My intuition told me and I kept doing it. I kept going with it. It fell into place, took about a year because it's a big project and in perfect timing because I paid for that course. Meanwhile, just before that, I had submitted all my stuff into the Yoga Alliance and it was like the week after I paid for the course, the $13,000, all my pain, the Yoga Alliance came back and said, okay, your teacher training is approved. So now I have a approved yoga teacher training and I'm $13,000 in debt. And I was like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to put a teacher training out there. I'm going to throw this together and see who signs up. Like, really, I don't think anyone's going to want to take a teacher training with me. But like, this is my only chance to be able to eat this year. (laughs) So I just put the teacher training out into the world. And I think it was nine days later, I had made double the $13,000. And this is like... Is this really crazy short amount of time? (laughs) I know. This is like when I was reading Jen Sincero's You're a Badass at Making Money. And there's like all the little like, like success stories. Like, oh, this person, they like found this big check or like all of a sudden all this money came into this person's life. I did that whole book and I was like doing all the prompts and stuff and working out my money stuff. And I was like reading those things. and I was like, okay, yeah, right. Like somebody made that up or that's like one of those things that could never happen to me. And sure enough, it happened. And I, I thanked my pain for that. And also as I was creating the teacher training and creating all of this, I remember going to your mom because your mom is like my number one healer <laughs> through this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, guys, if, if I haven't mentioned it yet, my mom is a magical human. She's a healer and a coach and works with chakras and family constellations and like anything you can think of that will get you to just have the biggest breakthroughs. So continue. Yeah, shout out to Karina because she has changed my life. I remember I went to your mom and I was like, Karina, I'm creating all of this stuff out of pain. And I'm like, I can't stop creating stuff out of pain. And I was like, and I don't want to create stuff out of pain. Like, I can't keep teacher training that I created out of pain and do this course because I'm in pain. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, why can't I come from love? And she, I remember she told me, she's like, but look how much you're creating. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what it comes from. She's like, love that part of you that's in pain. That's so freaking motivated (laughs) it was total fear it was like survival it was total survival and what I learned from all of that is we don't do things we can but most of us and most of the time we don't always do things until we're in survival mode it's like until our back is against the wall we don't actually make the move right and I had a lot of shame about creating from pain and um, and having to get to that that place in order to make these big decisions. But 
you know what? It happened that way. And over time, I shifted because I, I started to, my, my goal after getting out of the relationship, because I was, I, I saw what I needed to create for myself in order to feel good and have a pleasurable life was I needed to be able to feel safe inside of myself. And a big part of that was having money and having the stability of that. Like I wanted to be able to pay my rent. There are so many times when it's so hard to pay my rent. I wanted to be able to invest in myself and pay $13,000 if I wanted to do a program. So over time, you know, the pain got me there. Having my back against the wall, it got me there. And over time, I've just shifted more into love than I ever have before. Wow. What a powerful first half of the conversation with Kara. So many nuggets in there. And I'm going to leave you all yearning a little bit, going to leave you wanting more. And you can come back next week for the second half of the conversation where we'll be diving deeper into embodiment. And Kara even has a little gift for you guys, a little embodiment meditation for you to follow. The magic does not end here. Come back next week. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Commitment Phobe. If this episode left an impact on you, please share with friends, family, loved ones, ex-lovers, the people in your life who you think would benefit from listening to these conversations. If you're curious about the kind of work that I do as an intuitive coach, head on over to my website, www.tanaimelgram.com, where you can learn more about what I do with my one-on-one coaching clients, group coaching programs, and you can set up a discovery call with me to see how I can be of support to you. You could also follow me on Instagram on my handle at Tanai Milgram. I'm always posting content about what I'm up to and new insights, new learnings that I'm getting along my journey. And please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you like what you heard. So together we can start changing the conversation we're having about intimacy and commitments. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week.